myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello, and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm Ryan Perio, your host. This week, I have Jeff Ravilla, who is a digital marker, disc golf fanatic, and the host of the Stuff I Never Knew Trivia Game Show podcast. An amazing podcast where he has three guests compete in a trivia game show format, which has actually been picked up by a local cable access show in Pittsburgh. So Jeff's making big moves here in the Pittsburgh area to check out his show, Stuff I Never Knew About Trivia Game Show. It's an amazing podcast. I I was blown away when when I looked at it being a podcaster myself and just seeing all the moving parts. In this episode, we talk about his podcast, his three-day trivia event that's going on. Links to that in the show notes as well as the promo. And then we get into his fear of choking on on all on just choking in general, like on food or water or anything like that. Just choking in public. That's a big fear of mine as well because it's it's a public thing where you get you have the embarrassment and shame of being choking in public as well as the fear of dying. So it's a it's a really interesting, fun conversation. So let's get into this episode right now with Jeff Ravilla. All right, my guest this week is Jeff Ravilla, a host of an amazing podcast where he basically is a, a trivia game show, and which to me seems like the the biggest homework assignment of a podcast that, <laughs> that you ever could have, like. Just guest mining and data mining and just coming up with actual trivia questions and that's just wow. That's that's just an amazing concept. Like it just blows my mind. Just you know, because I I just think of as a podcaster, like on the podcast side, thinking of all the moving parts that you have to have to pull off something like that. Yeah, it's uh, you know each episode just behind the scenes to get to an episode is about eight hours. Uh, per episode just to prep the questions find mm-hmm. guests record the show um you know do the editing you know we have scoreboards now and uh you're uh it is coming back we were talking a little bit before the show I'm, i i've been on kind of a hiatus because i want to do it as a live show mm-hmm. and a local cable company came to me and said hey let's produce this again you know we're at the tail end of covid we'll start doing it virtually let's produce this show for television we're, gonna, we're making it. We've made two episodes so far for TV, and the goal is to eventually, you know, get it into local bars and local restaurants, and and run the show live in front of an audience mm-hmm. to support local businesses, the business owners, and to have content for the local cable television. So we're we're gonna hit like three three birds with one stone. I think is what they that, say. That's awesome. Was that kind of the like the dream when you started that like podcast was to maybe televise it? And- yeah, yeah. The, my my life dream is a an infinite seat theater. That's kind of like where I want to I want to I want to perform in front of people, but I also don't want to be limited by the seating capacity of that venue. So I also want to broadcast and live stream that to uh, you know if I get to a thousand people, I'd be excited. But uh, the potential could be a million people or ten million people with one event. So that's that's kind of 
where I'm headed. Right? That's where I've been headed for the last few years. So where in Pennsylvania are you? Like, are you like closer to Pittsburgh, Philadelphia? I'm in the birthplace of aluminum. It's called a town called New Kensington, about 25 minutes east of Pittsburgh. Okay. So are you like, does that mean you're a Steelers fan? Are you a big Pittsburgh sports fan? Um, I mean, I love Pittsburgh sports. I grew up as a, like the ultimate Pittsburgh Pirates baseball fan. Okay. Like we, I mean, that 91 team still irks me. Like that's the last time we were good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I do. I mean, you have to like Steelers and you have to like hockey. We don't like basketball in Pittsburgh. We, there's never been a basketball team. We get, uh, people get a little crazy about college, but um, we're, you know, we're the three hockey, football and baseball. That's cool. I I also was a big Pittsburgh Pirates fan back in the deck of the day. I'm an Astros fan by trade. That they we were a division rival at that time, so it was like a I loved Andy Van Slyke and those years. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had Barry Bonds, Bobby Bonilla, Andy Van Slyke, I had Tony Pena. I think was still catching at the time. Like we had a roster. Yeah, and <laughs> Sid Bream just ruined it with one. one yeah, play. Sid. <laughs> But I, I also have a fondness for uh, the Astros because of the Bad News Bears movie where they they travel to the Astrodome. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the second one, Breaking Training. I was that was like one of those movies you watched on VHS over and over and over mm-hmm. again in the eighties. <laughs> oh yeah, I grew up in the Astrodome, and I just remember like how loose things were as a kid when you go to baseball stadiums. Because you you didn't have like stairs or escalators; they were just ramps. And you, yeah. would, and you, as a kid, that was you would run up and down those ramps as you would leave the stadium, and then just oh, wait. Yeah. Running after the game was the best. It was all downhill. Yeah, you would <laughs> run downhill, and you know you'd either that or you'd slide the railing, stair railings, and stuff. <laughs> and parents would be kind of off in the distance, but not like right on you. It would. It just felt like a looser time. Like a, you made your own fun at the ballpark because I don't remember a lot of the baseball games. Like there are some games that, like as a kid, I remember waking up and watching Nolan Ryan's strikeout record. Uh-huh. But you don't remember like going at the when you go to the stadium. There was never a memorable game that I remember as a kid. I just remember liking the Astros. Yeah, you probably liked the Astros. You liked nachos, uh, hot dogs. You, you liked everything around the game, the atmosphere, the smells, the mm-hmm. cheering. Uh, you know, baseball is almost secondary when you go to the, a baseball game. It's it's not always the main reason why you go to a baseball game. Yeah, to watch the scoreboards that light up and whatever effects, <laughs> what minimal effects we had back in the 80s. Yeah, we have in Pittsburgh, we have pierogies that race around in the seventh inning stretch. They they, they race the outfield. Yeah, you know, which pierogi is going to win? <laughs> So did so going back to your game show, did you is that is your game show is like you you always want to be a game show host? Like what game show like I guess kind of sparked this that that you watched on TV that you were like, you know what? I want to do something similar. Was it Jeopardy or Oh no. It's this isn't uh I don't know if it is a trivia show. It's I know the people who love trivia and pub quizzes tend to not like my show, but people who like game shows a little bit more on the on the chaos side, a little bit more on, you know, random chance more than knowledge. And that's kind of where, where my show falls. It's called stuff. I never knew. So uh, a lot of the questions are 50, 50 guests where you, you really have no clue. And a lot of what I do is mislead the guests in the, in the picking one or the other answer. So I, I really thrive on that deer in the headlights moments. Like I, because any question 
asked correctly in the right moment, anybody could, you know, they, they just can go blank. Yeah, it's amazing what you can do just with certain pauses and the way that you structure questions. Um, you know, people could forget like, you know, uh, something as simple as you know, a question about Cinderella or, you know, a movie that they watched a hundred times as a kid in that moment when they're on the spot and there's a timer ticking and they only have three seconds left, you know, they're like, ah, mm-hmm. and that's, that's more what I go for. <laughs> so it's the family feud where it's just, you just, when you're put on the spot and your first answer is what everyone hears, it lives yeah. forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a similar, I guess, game show. When I was a kid, they had, I was at a Christian school and we had like a Bible trivia and it was like, we went to it. We got really good and we were on like a Christian radio show where we were playing against other people. And we had a buzz in and I wasn't paying attention and they were doing a they were doing one for the audience to like mail in and I I knew the answer so I buzzed like during his little promo uh, <laughs> at that oh, point I was asked to leave and it was <laughs> you're off the team yeah so I, I totally get like I I will probably fold under pressure so and it's a lot of fun I, I know that people who I, I I know some of the past episodes that we did produce, they are they're almost a better hang for the guests than they are uh, a podcast for people to listen to. Yeah, there's 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 some nuggets of beauty in there, but the people who leave my show, they come off like uh, they you know we we shut down the show, and they have that high like the, you just came off stage in front of you know 500 people, yeah, yeah and you just have that that rush that adrenaline. And I create that for my guests, but I don't always get that into great audio because it's chaos, right? There's yeah. four people fighting and buzzing in and talking. And um, but as we move forward, now we're, we're actually looking at what we're doing, the way that we're producing this for television. We're recording all the audio tracks separately where, um, you know, I have a soundboard, which I don't know if I have it hooked up here or not. Uh, I don't know if you heard that. I don't think you did. Um, I'm playing sound effects during the game to keep things moving. Yeah, I, I noticed that the, the game show the, I listened to, I listened to like your, I guess your last one before you went on hiatus with the, do y'all, do you have themed guests? Like, did, are all the guests doing like, I guess, similar? Because I think the one I listened to, they were all novelists, like science novelists. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I like to, I like to group people together, but it's not a rule. It's not a um, prerequisite. If it works out, like that was a battle of the sci-fi authors. Mm-hmm. So that was, it's fun when it's a group of friends too, because they, they tend to talk a little more trash against each other and, it, and it's all friendly fire. It's not, nobody's rude or, or calling out names, but you know, they, they talk a little more smack. It's a little more fun. Yeah, absolutely. You want some, you want some gamesmanship and you also want some say like a personal level. So they don't feel like they're on egg. Everybody's on eggshells. Because yeah. they don't know who is who, and so you can you can cross. I guess you have that interpersonal, I guess, no barrier there that you don't feel like you're infringing. Yeah, plus I make up rules during the show, and I make bad calls like NFL referees. So, uh, you know, if you make it all the way to the end and you win, you know, eh, great. But if you did it, you you still had a great time. So, what is the prize for the televised version? Is there is it going to be more? Than- <laughs> Right now, it's just pride. Uh, I, there was a series of shows where I started to do prizes from my basement where, um, like, you know, you could win uh, like a hole puncher, which nobody can see this on audio. But, 
you know, you could win just things that I found in my basement. And, and I want to do it. I don't know if you remember the old, old wheel of fortune where you had like a bank of money, you'd have like $7,500 mm-hmm. and they would show you and you could go through and you could pick like, all right, I'll take a Volkswagen beetle for 3,500 and a trip to Cancun for $3. Cause because back in the seventies, nothing costs any money. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> so I remember you, those. You, in which he yeah, would, I'll, I'll take yeah. That's a refrigerator, cool seventy-five dollars. <laughs> that's a cool idea. Like you're just you know just basically pick and choose and just have it be you know digital something digital like an Amazon card. Oh no no it's it's crap it's just crap from my basement. <laughs> okay. Well, that'd be yeah. that's all that's that'd be hilarious. That that would be almost like a storage wars kind of thing. Like yeah, <laughs> that's right. I could I could mask them. Yeah, you could get three prizes tonight. One of them has a value of ten dollars, but the other ones are just uh, I was going to throw them out, but I didn't want to put in the landfill. So you could pick door one, two or three. I like that. I might try that. Yeah, (laughs) I I just I love the idea. It. I just again, as a podcaster, I was like, I struggle with the one to one because sometimes I'll edit and then I'll cut one piece. And it makes everything time shift and I'm just like <laughs> have to backtrack and then go back and try to find out where I can get them back to the other even. <laughs> I just couldn't imagine that with three guests, the questions that the buzzers now did people bring their own buzzers like that. They make their own sound effect for the buzzer for you. And send yeah, it? yeah. Round three is a buzzer round. And, you know, I've been doing this since 2015. So I quickly realized there's no way I can give everybody like a standard buzzer. I do have, I have buzzers here that I use. Um, but I, how can I get a buzzer? I have somebody in Arizona. I have somebody in Maine or somebody mm-hmm. in Florida playing. So we just, we started this process where you bring your own buzzer and it can be as simple as saying your name. Like I could say, if I wanted to answer the question, I could just go Jeff and Jeff would be my buzzer. But some people put like uh, like a metal spoon in a glass cup and they shake it. Or they put an app on their phone or or they'll ring their doorbell at their house. Like the, the, anything they can do that makes noise, I accept it as a buzzer. And it's, it's, a, it's a part of the show that I love because I've heard like machine gun noises and like atomic bombs and somebody stepping on a cat. You know, like all, all these crazy noises become the buzzers of the show. That's that's a, such an amazing thing, too. And I've, I would that would be awesome for the television is to have people bring their own buzzer and just like maybe send it to you in the soundboard so that you could put yeah. it in. You <laughs> no, just... we let that, we, they ring it right in front of their microphone. So we're not, we're not that high tech. Okay. But I just, yeah, I would, would just love the surprise in your face too of, okay. You know, like it's, it's almost like this game show is, we have no idea, you know, there's a little bit element of, yeah, we don't have everything worked out, you know, it's, oh, okay. That's going to be your buzzer. Cool. All right. Noted. Yeah. And I'll call them like if I I'm like, oh, I heard dog toy, whoever dog toy is. That's who buzzed in. I heard dog toy first. You know, then I heard silver spoons, but dog toy, uh, they buzzed in first. <laughs> well, congratulations. That's that, that. That's an amazing, definitely something, you know, to look out for, especially if you're in the Pittsburgh area. That would be just that's just an amazing and, you know, just guest mining for that. And you'll probably have a ton of people with television on the line that's going to probably up your guest ante quite a bit yeah i'm hoping so i recorded a bunch of promos that i think they start airing next week so you get to see my my mug on your local cable television <laughs> now you dress do you dress in a suit or are you more casual game show host 
no, I wear a collar shirt, like a polo or uh, I'll be semi dressed, but I'm not, I'll even, I usually have my hair done. I don't have it done right now, but um, I'll uh, have it slicked back. Like try to be like Richard Greco from uh, okay. 21 jump street. <laughs> you know, like the, the other, the, the fat Johnny Depp, I think they used to call. So no Bob Barker. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm not Bob Barker. Yeah. I'm not Bob Eubanks, any of the Bobs. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> well, and you also are an avid, I guess, disc golf either participant and fan because i yeah. saw that as well on your profile which is super interesting how did you find disc golf like how did that become an obsession or sport for you well up until like 2008 i owned a skate shop and um, i manufactured and i sold skateboards over the world that crumbled with the housing market and um i, I went in and I, it turned out that i had all these other skills i didn't know i had from running my own business that other people started to hire me for stuff. And I, I landed this job as a marketing manager at an automotive uh, company. And the one guy that I work with he would be like, man, like I have kids. He's like, he, like you're just, he's way like 10, 15 years younger than me. And he just didn't understand why I'm so old. I'm so miserable. And I'm so tired all the time at work. He's like, you're terrible. And, and he was my direct report. So he reported to me. And, he, I, and his, I think his plan was if he can get me happy, his job would be a lot better. So he was like, hey, man, let's let's go out. Let's I got this idea. We'll go play disc golf. And and as a skateboarder, like I never got my shoes muddy or wet or dirty, like shoes were sacred to me. So the idea of going into the woods and I just asked him, I was like, what kind of pothead wants to go in the woods and throw Frisbees? Uh, I, I'm not going to do it. Like, I don't I don't want to do it. And so he. He'd back off for a while. He'd bring it back up in a couple months. And I'd be like, no, not go in the woods. It's, it's so silly. And finally, he's like, look, man, if you don't go, like, I got I got to leave this job. Like, I'm not working with you anymore. And I go, okay, all right, all right let's let's try it out. Let's Maybe I do need to look at my life and, and be a, a better, happier person. And so we, we make an appointment to go. We meet at the, at the whole one. And there's a, he brought a couple other friends too. He must've been like recruiting must be like a cult or something. And as soon as we get to the tea box, the skies turn black, all of our phones light up with a flash flood warning. Like it's coming, like seek shelter. And we're like, like, Oh man, I came this far. And they're like, what do, what do you guys want to do? I'm like, well, let's just, let's play a couple holes. See what it's, let's see what this is all about. And I'll tell you the next like hour and a half, was like the best time I've had in my entire life. Disc golf is freaking amazing. You have, I mean, there's so much ways to shape the disc, the flight of the disc. And then once you finally get to, up to that basket where you, you park the disc for the, to finish the hole, the sound of that disc smashing the chains, almost like a slot machine, like hitting a jackpot. I, I was hooked like day one. I was like, this is amazing. I went out I bought like 10 discs and hiking shoes and everything. Like I went, I went all in after that. It was, I got, you know, you end up walking four or five miles if you play one or two rounds. So, I mean, you're going to get your steps in, you're going to get exercise. You're going to be throwing plastic in the woods. It's, it's a tremendous sport and a great activity. That's awesome. Like it, I hats off to the guy that basically, like either knew how addicted you would be if he just got you out there to say that he's quitting his job. Yeah. <laughs> I may have embellished that a little bit, but he was, he was not happy with me uh, at all. He's like, I'm going to he, he definitely wants wanted to make me a happier person. 
So how often do you disc golf? Is that like your weekend deal? Like when you get a free weekend away, you just. Yeah. In the, in the summertime, um, every weekend, one or two rounds for sure. Uh, but, uh, right now I'm next week, we turn the clocks back. So once I get, I don't get home to like six o'clock, it's, it's dark at like six 30, but once I get that like hour and a half, like it's seven 30, eight o'clock, there's a little like nine hole course, about five minutes from my house. I'll go out on the weeknights, two or three weeknights a week. And just, I can, I can knock out nine holes in like 25 minutes. So I'll, I'll play like two rounds real quick. And, and just fly through like speed golf. <laughs> so are you like semi-pro? Are you that, are you just that good that you can, that you can hit, you can, I guess, hole in one or get. No, I think I've only had one hole in one and, uh, and that was, this probably started in 2014. So seven years of one hole in one, I fit the chains a couple of times and bounced out and hit the basket and, uh, but never, I mean, it's hard. It's not, it's not as easy. I see all these people that get like a hole in one every year. It drives me crazy. Um, but you know, I, I can, I'm not the best player. Uh, I'm not a terrible player. I'm somewhere in that middle. I can, I can hang with most people. Um, I can have moments of just like, where did that come from? Like mm-hmm. I've, I've played rounds where I've, you know, seven, seven, eight, nine under. I'd be like, wow, that's weird. And then the next time I go back, I'm like two or three over. I'm like, what happened? Yeah. So, Oh, so do you have like kids and stuff that go with you play disc golf or is that just a, I, I try, I, I, I don't make them do anything. And, uh, every once in a while they'll want to go and, uh, I'll take them and you know, we'll get, we'll get about nine holes in before they're, they're tired of it. <laughs> Does it, do you get, do they like start throwing them everywhere else? But the, <laughs> but the target, the... Well, they, they just start doing other things, you know, they, <laughs> or they start falling behind or whining or crying. So I, I don't, I don't keep score when I go with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't force them to, to do it. You know, this is all up to them. And um, someday I hope that they, you know, say, Hey dad, let's go play disco. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, yeah, let's go. Of course, let's do it. Um, but I, I would never like drag them by their ear. Like you're coming yeah. with me. <laughs> I just think it'd be a fun, like if, for a kid, I think that would be just, a, you know, at least for the first couple holes fun, you know, for them. Cause like, Oh, I'm going to throw a Frisbee. You know, I'm just out here with my dad, just throwing, throwing Frisbees <laughs> around in Frisbees are, you know, way better than baseballs and stuff. When we had as a kid, like breaking windows and stuff, like, I feel like that would just be a great kids thing to get. Like, <laughs> Do they have like the, I guess like they have the golf putting tees. Do they have like a pop-up like Frisbee thing that you could, you could keep at the house and like throw at your backyard and for like short oh, range. Yeah, we have those. <laughs> we, uh, but I would, I would even tell people unless your kid comes to you, I wouldn't even bring it up to them until they're like eight, nine or 10 years old. It really, it, it is agonizing trying to take like a six year old disc golfing. It just doesn't work. They, they don't know what they're doing. They, they, they'll, unless they really have an interest in it, I wouldn't, I would never suggest, um, pushing it on your kids or, or, or even introducing it to them. They just don't have the, the arm strength or the arm speed and they get bored really easy. It'll, it'll, it's, they're just not ready for you. It, mm-hmm. It's definitely like a, uh, not a tween, but you know, about a, you know, a nine, 10 year old who starts to show interest in it get them started. Cause there's a, 
There's a whole world out there now for disc golf. Yeah, I was gonna say you you write for like a publication, basically like almost like a, I think it's Disc Golf Digest. A disc golf examiner. It's a it's more of a video channel. I have a partner who does who probably does most of the videos. Um, we do tournament coverage, so uh, Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia. We cover a lot of the pro level tournaments in this area. So we uh, we'll go out and film it. He edits them and and publishes them. But uh, we, you know, we've probably done 400 some videos over the last seven, eight years. That's amazing. And, and you, you never think about like disc golf being that big that they actually have professional, like a professional level where they have tournaments and stuff like that. And I'm sure that's got to be almost like interesting to watch just to see that level of, I guess, skill, because it seems like such it's it's such a thing where you don't realize how much skill it takes to actually get out there and try it. Like to be able to, to toss with that much accuracy and at a repeatable like level. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's insane. And you see, uh, you know, the, the pros, um, they're throwing three fifty to 500 feet from the females to the male players. Um, just to see a disc go, you know, a football field and a half, you know, is with skill, with accuracy and, and land within 30 feet of a basket. That's it's just, it takes so much. There's so many little things in the form to even throw the disc Mm -hmm. that can go wrong. The angle of your release can change the flight of the disc. The there's the wind wind is not your friend when you're a disc golfer, but uh, wind can change the flight of a disc with so many variables that make a player great. And you got you got to know and understand all of them and and bounce back from them because you know you, there's a all of a sudden there's a tree or or a little rogue branch from a tree that just nips your disc and sends it off thirty feet in the wrong direction. Um, you just you got to learn how to recover and play smart. So do you, is it just like regular golf? We have to play it where it lies. Like so, if your disc like falls right in front of a tree, do you get yeah. any kind of relief or is what's the how do they do the relief? Because I know in regular golf it's the length of a club. Well, you have the, um, uh, you can mark your disc and your foot will be right behind wherever that marker is. It's like you would mark your ball and you'd pick your mm-hmm. ball up and then you put your ball down. Well, you can mark your disc, remove the disc and you can put your foot behind it and then you can straddle out. So if your, your disc is immediately behind a tree, you could put your left foot behind the tree, step out to the right and then throw maybe a forehand from there or use your, you know, the other way and throw a backhand shot. So you, you just have to, sometimes you have to position your body almost like you're playing twister, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to get the shot off, but there, there's ways around it. Then there's, there's, we have out of bounds rules and uh, you can bring it in a meter from out of bounds and there's casual rules. If there's um, like a real swampy part in the middle of, you can bring it in the straight line from the basket back to where you have solid footing. There's things like that. We, but um, you mostly play it where it lays. Yeah. You have to, do you have to yell for if it like goes into your, your galley of people? Oh, you definitely would. I would recommend that. Yeah. <laughs> so they don't, cause that could also like be a, a big thing too, is if your Frisbee is like, you could possibly, I guess, lose distance or an angle by clipping somebody and then dropping immediately. Not yeah. to mention yeah, them these, being. Not, these aren't like the, uh, little, the Frisbees you throw at the beach. These okay. are weighted discs. Okay. That, uh, <laughs> So if it gets, if you lose control of it and it's going towards somebody, 
Yell four as, as soon as you can. Okay. I didn't know if they had the same, if it was the same call, if it was something else like Frisbee or disc. Uh, four, just four. Okay. Well, that's awesome. And so, <laughs> I mean, that's just, it's such a, it's such a unique thing, but it's, it's such a, it's cool to be on something like that. That's like growing an immense popularity. Like I, I'll see them. I live in the Dallas area and I'll see them pop up in different places and, you know, during the spring and summer, you'll see people out there, but it's like one of those things where, you know, 10 years ago, maybe, you know, it's growing by exponentially. Like it's almost like doubling and then tripling and coming across yeah, like yeah. that to be this passionate on that level so that as it gets to a, even a higher, I guess, level popularity. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Most people don't even realize that within... 10 to 20 minutes of their house, they probably have two or three disc golf courses that are maintained by your local community, maybe your county government. They're free to play. You just bring your own discs and, and you can play it. Uh, it. It's almost always provided by your your city, your state, or your local government. How much do your discs usually run you, Like I guess, like a starter set? You can buy starter sets um, around 30 bucks. You know, get three discs, 30 bucks. Um, I'd probably recommend most people just get a, what's called a mid range and a putter. Mm-hmm. If you can just start with a mid range and a putter and get your form down, uh, there's no, there's no need everybody wants to go right to the speed 13 speed, 14 drivers. You're not there yet. Don't, yeah. don't do that. Just, uh, you know, play with a putter, play with a mid range and, you know, just figure it out. Just go out and have fun. That's what that's what I kind of do for comedy is people. I'm a comedian enough as well, and people are always like, you know, how do I get mo- how do I make money doing this? I'm like, first let's mm-hmm. let's learn to love it. Like one of my favorite quotes is from the CEO of Netflix, and it was, you know, how do you get people to build you a boat? You 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 don't give them plans and a picture of a boat and wood and everything. You make them long for the sea, for the wonder of the sea. And then they'll build it for you. Like it's not a, and it was just an amazing quote of, you know, you don't tell them what to do. You just make them want to do it instinctually (laughs) and it, and it just, it bears a fruit. And so that's why I tell people like your first two years, learn to love what you do, because I mean, you're going to be doing this, you know, just as a casual basis or just, you know, open mics and just learning about yourself. You're not doing anything, you know, that's going, you're not going to, two weeks into this, get a re- uh, Netflix deal. Yeah. <laughs> Close the deal with Will Smith. Yeah. The, um, the, I, I, it's, it is a muscle just like, like hosting a, a, a trivia show. They you always say comedy is a muscle, mm-hmm. right? And it is like, I, like when I go into trivia host mode, I, something in me turns on, like I turn it on and now I'm hosting a show. I got my hosting, my show voice. I'm, I'm pushing the show through, I'm hitting these certain bars, these certain rhythms to keep the show moving. And it you try like it's something that you just have to train through repetition. And after doing a hundred some of them, I'm I think I'm just starting to figure it out. I'm able to talk for an hour, but yeah. Um but that's it, it's a muscle. Yeah. And you're finding yourself editing less. Like sometimes so I go through my podcast when I first started, I'm like, clip, 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 clip. <laughs> clip that stammer out, you know, and now I, you know, I've, I can do it maybe within a, an hour to maybe two hours. I can, you know, have it ready to go. And it's just one of those things where you, you have, you learn a muscle of not being able to over to say little things like, um, or 
Like yeah. <laughs> you just you re- you realize like okay, I need to be you know more you know more out of my head and listening to what's going on because that tells me that I'm thinking about what I'm saying versus what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, Durr. yeah that's what I, that's what i say Durr. Well, some you know you, you when you have questions it's like you know what's my next question and you you're also trying to listen to see if they've got something they say interesting that you want to expound more on and it's just it's learning how to navigate that and balance it without you know basically getting too too involved in what's going on up here or too yeah. involved with what you're saying that you forget whatever questions you have <laughs> yeah but we're, my podcast is about, you know, what people are afraid of because I wanted to do something non-comedy. And you have a you had an interesting one of your fears like you your fears are all, uh, like on the extreme side. Like I <laughs> I'll admit, like you you definitely have great detail on some of yours. Like one of yours was your kid, someone throwing your kids over a balcony like that. That was <laughs> it, it sounds crazy when you say, it, but I honestly I was I, I don't know if you want to go into this at all. Um, but it was something I was petrified of for years. Like I was convinced that anytime I was at a mall and I was on a second story, especially when it, you know, the middle parts open. Yeah. I was convinced that somebody was going to come and grab my kid and throw them over the railing for, for years. I, I, w- I wouldn't even go near the middle. And then after years of it not happening and I'm like, well, why is this vision so strong? Then I started to think maybe I'm, I'm the guy who's supposed to throw my kids over the ledge. It's a self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy. I was like, yeah, like, oh my God. But no, but then I haven't thought about that. My, my kids are older now. They're 11, 15 now. So, I mean, th- this was, this was a seriously a fear I had like 10 years ago. And I started to think about it because just when you asked me about the show and I, I am almost convinced now that my, my father, when I was a kid must've like been on vacation must have did like that Michael Jackson uh, Lion mm-hmm. King moment and held me over a balcony because he 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 has confessed that he has thrown me up in the air like that was a thing like dads did in the seventies yeah. and eighties they would just throw their babies like twenty feet in the air and catch them yeah and I'm I'm convinced that that childhood memory is what triggered this whole thing with with somebody grabbing my daughters and throwing them over the ledge but it has to be from from me not re- i don't remember it mm-hmm. but it has to be from those moments when i was a kid yeah i my the girl i'm seeing her daughter is afraid of heights and did she told me a story one time of they were they saw a house for sale and they went to just kind of scope it and they found the door back doors unlocked so they were inside the house and then they heard the realtor come up and start unlocking it and so they're oh. jumping out of this back window or it wasn't the doors <laughs> open but they had a window open and so they she you know, she's freaking out. He, the dad jumps out first. She goes to hand the daughter over, you know, through the window to him. And uh-huh. she's freaking out. And I'm like, well, that's probably where she gets the fear of heights. Cause I was like, you know, to an infant <laughs> being, you know, six or seven feet up, you know, like, being gee. hand. Yeah. That's, that's parent, <laughs> you know, and all she remembers is your anxiety of trying to get out of that house and stuff. And she said, she yeah. starts crying. And I'm like, I'm like, and that may be where her fear of heights started from is just, you know, just a, a you know, an, innocent moment of you trying to you know to not look like you're breaking into a house but to be looking at you know to come around like looking at it and you know just having that kid there and just having that anxiety of trying to get out of a house before they get caught 
yeah, it's, uh, it's, it has to be. That's what I think too. Thing I know, like I said, I haven't thought about this at all uh, since you brought you brought this back into my mm-hmm. life, and now I'm thinking about it. And I and, and and I didn't ever try to rationalize it before, but I want to ask my dad. Like, does that something that does that sound familiar? I remember you you said you used to throw me up in the air 20, 30 feet and mom, give mom a heart attack. Did you ever like hang me over a balcony edge or something? <laughs> I mean, we've all done it. I don't know if it was super high up, like, you know, like a thir- second or third floor balcony, but like, you know, just a little fountain, you know, mall fountain. Cause yeah, we had the I'm throwing you in. Yeah. You would do that. You'd, you'd th- act like you're throwing them into a pool, you know, and then catch them, you know, like you let go of them for a second and then catch them and get back. And yeah. Pete, my friend has a bit about that. Like he's from Minnesota. And he's like, we threw my nephews and they got, she's got a, a neck like a deer, like just. Just muscles like a deer from being tossed back and forth. Oh. He's like, if you loved him, you caught him. That was the yeah. whole concept. <laughs> That's how you know. Yeah. But yeah, so your fear that we were going to talk about, uh, go ahead and tell people the fear we uh, we decided on. Yeah, I thought it was, I actually thought it was the other one, well, which was uh, a paper cut in your eye. Uh, that one. <laughs> that one I don't like so much, but I am terrified of paper near my face. Uh, this one, um, and I, I have a close encounter with it, but I am, I am a, a thousand percent terrified of of choking on a chicken bone. Look at my voice even cracks saying yeah. choking on a chicken bone. Like I, I like those cartoons that I watch mm-hmm. as a kid where you know they're na 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 on yeah. the drumstick, then they swallow the whole drumstick, and then the yeah. drumstick elongates out of their throat like frankenstein and i'm like i I am terrified of that and and it's it may might just be any kind of bones one time i was in new orleans and Mm -hmm. i got fish tacos they were fresh fish tacos they were delicious and i I took i took like the bite of the second one and as i'm chewing it like all these bones like just go into my mouth like and i'm like uh and and I'm I was also kind of really hungover, mm-hmm. and I'm like <laughs> I got the like a napkin, and I'm just like bleh, like trying to get all the fish and the and the bones out, and I I you know you know it was, it was a lot it felt like twenty thirty like little tiny bones. That's the worst too because you're like you're trying to <laughs> trying to get it all, but it always feels like you don't have it all. Like you get well, you I, find one. I, I did. I found one right as I swallowed after I thought I got it all. And then I swallow and one gets like stuck literally, at least I think it is in my throat. And I am like chugging water. I'm eating bread. I'm doing everything I can to get whatever it is stuck there out. And I just have like this, like, like weird feeling like, and I'm trying to like for days, you know, we, we come back from the trip. And uh, it's like I'm at work for like the second or third day. It's a Friday. And I'm like, hey, man, I can't take this anymore. There's something in my throat. I think it's the fishbone. I'm going to the ER. I got to get this out. Like, I can't take it. And so I go to the ER and they're, um, they take x-rays and I'm like, well, we're not seeing anything. But also, we can't let you go because you're saying there is something. And because it's Friday, our ear, nose, and throat specialist isn't here today. So we can't release you today either. I'm like, well, you got to get me out of here. Like, I, if it's not there, and I don't know, I don't want to be here either. I don't want to spend my weekend waiting for the ear, nose, and throat guy to come back on Monday. 
They're like, well, we can transfer you to another hospital since we don't have that doctor. I'm like, transfer me. And one of the saddest things, if you never had to do this, don't get transferred. Um, they they strap you to a if you I've been strapped to the gurney is the saddest thing. I'm just I'm now realizing like there's not a bone in my throat at all. I'm just crazy. Now I'm I can't move and I'm on a gurney. It is by myself in an ambulance. I am crying. I'm like I'm a mess. Like this is what it's like to die. And then, like, yeah. And so, and so finally we get to the other hospital, they take x-rays and they're like, nah, you might've tore something or, or scratched it or something, but we don't see anything either. And I was like, oh, great. I'm out of here. And then I got out of there, but that was like an eight hour ordeal mm-hmm. over uh, this fear that I swear, I would swear on anything. There was a bone stuck in my throat for a week. Yeah. And it, it's, <laughs> so, and I live alone. So it's definitely something like I've unche- I had, I've had a couple close calls with, tough steak or whatever i thought i've chewed it enough and then like i'm and i have to it's that like i'm like the cantaloupe does that to me and i'm one of those i'm like sitting here just like this can't be how i go out this can't be how i go out like and i'll i'll will myself to to you know i've only had like two instances of that happened it was just that tough piece of meat and i thought i had it completely chewed no i or i accidentally inhaled right as i'm chewing and there goes the piece of meat and then i'm having to him and haw just pray then, that uh, I get it out. <laughs> and so with chicken too, with, uh, you know, especially when the pandemic came around, some people got into, you know, making their own starter to make sourdough bread or mm-hmm. they're doing home crafts. I started roasting meats every day. I was just roasting meats. I love the concept of you could cook something on your stove. All day. You could just simmer meats all day. <laughs> so uh, I started, you know, in the oven, I would roast chicken. And as the more tender, and the slower you roast chicken, the more delicate those bones get. So now we're in the we're in a pandemic. I'm not leaving the house because uh, I'm working from home. I'm homeschooling kids. I'm roasting meats, and I'm making this really just unbelievably tender chicken. And I'm I'm taking bites of stuff now and around the rib cage, the the breast meat. Those little there's all those little bones that break off really easily. Yeah, and I'm starting to take bites, and I'm getting like bone, and I'm freaking out. <laughs> Like so, I, I pretty much stopped roasting chicken again. I I, I stick to beef and pork. <laughs> just, you just gotta, you just get some latex gloves now, and just you just rip it apart, and just you just have like shredded chicken. Yeah, that's yeah. Your... Especially shredding is even more dangerous because that's when you that's when you more things get lost <laughs> or, or broken off or separated. Yeah, but yeah, I was when you said that, I was like, you know, that is kind of a a a little laid back fear, like you're just at a restaurant or something, and that's. <laughs> Because the, the, there's the public humiliation part of that where people, I feel like people look down at you. Like it's always, when people are choking at a restaurant, it's always <laughs> someone comically, you know, shouldn't be choking, you know. It's like the, the incompetent mayor who, who can't get potholes fixed or yeah. he's just like some fat cat to, living off the tax money. And he's just like, oh. Yeah. And, or like in basketball, you know, like. Is that the hot dog, whatever that scene where he's choking on a, a full hot dog? They like give him the Heimlich and it's coming all the way out and going back in. Yeah. <laughs> but too, like the, the 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 big thing about roasting meats too is sometimes you're chewing, 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 and it's not. It's that last second right before you swallow where you you're like, wait a second, that wasn't soft, tender protein. 
that we're, there's something else in there. Well, yep. don't swallow, don't swallow. <laughs> yeah, I, d- I do that with gristle too, like meat with gristle and like, oh, like their silver string, you know, like this, that silver skin or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> anything tough. I, I'm like, yep, got to go back. We got to got to get that out because I'm not <laughs> like even in chicken. That's my biggest turnoff, too, is not just the bones, but like you get that breast meat and you have like that really hard, I guess, connective tissue like in the middle of your breast meat. And it just, yeah, the texture <laughs> is just completely just undesirable for me. It's just I will pass yeah, the, on that. Especially when you get into the drum and the thigh, because the thigh uh, and the they have that really like needle. There's like a needle bone in there. Yeah. Uh, if if you don't get it, <laughs> if you, if you bite the drumstick the wrong way, you're like, what the heck is this? Yeah, that's that was something too. Like I didn't like eating. I don't like eating chicken off the bone that much very often. <laughs> like I'll I'll eat fried chicken, but it's very like very much me pulling it off and yeah. then eating it. I don't I don't just dig on the chicken because like I've. I just, as soon as you get a bone, that's immediate, like, alert, like, this is bad. Like, I'm like, you know, I, get, I do a full, a full stop napkin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need to slow down. Sometimes, you know, uh, you know, the pandemic also helped me put on a couple pounds. So I'm, I'm not always eating at a responsible pace. You know, sometimes I'm just shoveling, <laughs> shoveling food into my mouth. I, that That's on me. But that's also when I notice, like, oh crap! I also got half of a bone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I try to do boneless stuff too, and like I, you know, when I do crock pot, I usually try to go boneless. Like I'll cook some things in the crock pot, but I try to go boneless because, just like you said, the more you simmer, the the more it just is a heap. Yeah. <laughs> of cooked meat, and it's like you you yeah. have to dig through it, and like short ribs and stuff with bones and stuff like that, like beef bone. Yeah, it's so get hot. it out of here. Like the oxtails and thing, <laughs> asabuco and things like that, where it's just a big bone in the middle, but it's it can crumble, or or you have like some steak that they just go through the meat saw with. So you just got it's not like a full T-bone bone; it's like partial. Yeah, like a knuckle. Yeah, I I worked in a meat room as a kid. That was not fun. You have to scrape. You have to like there's a little there's a little like three prong scraper that scrapes like when you when you cut wood you get sawdust but when you cut bone in beef you get like this meat dust like meat sawdust and you have to scrape all that other stuff off or it, it goes out with the with the product yeah yum yummy is that where is that also probably a little bit where your fear of choking on bones come from is just like working in that environment and knowing like okay like we can you know, we're, 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 we're doing safe work for safety, but we're also trying to get as much done as possible. So maybe I hated it. I mean, I hated that job. <laughs> I, mean, I just wanted to get out of there. <laughs> yeah. Butchering is to me, like at a grocery on a grocery store level is just very, very menial. And then again, you, then you have to hose everything down and sterilize. Yeah. And that takes almost if not longer th- than the meat, the whole processing of the meat. Oh uh, yeah. It's, it's everything is, everything comes in cryo and it's just like, it's just meat with blood vacuum sealed really. Yeah. So you, you, all you're doing is opening it, And most of it's, it, it's already prepared to the point where the butcher in the grocery store just slices it and they tray it. Yeah. Like it's not like they're not doing too much to it. They may trim some fat off and then slice it. Yeah. A hand hand butchery, I get from like Daniel Day Lewis, Gangs of yeah. New York. That's 
that's not the kind of butchering we're doing. No. We're at the tail end of factory farming. Mm-hmm. By the time you get to the supermarket. So how so do you do you find yourself cooking with meats with less bone now or do you still just you still use bone inch cuz I mean that's such a hard thing to bone in <laughs> bone in skin on chicken you know is for roasting you're going to want to do that you want that Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, I haven't roasted chicken much at all in the last 2 years. I was in the Peruvian I I love Peruvian chicken. If you ever get a chance just look up a recipe for Peruvian chicken It'll change your life. Okay. Um, but I've been doing mostly. I love chuck roast. I love a shoulder roast, a pork shoulder roast. Um, I like a fatty meat when I'm slow cooking all day, and I just I want to melt that uh, those fats into the my sauce and my juice. Uh, but I, I I'll make I make the shredded beef for tacos. I use a chuck roast. It's unbelievable. Okay. See, I, I like try tip and i like rump more than i do chuck just because i just i don't like the the i guess the the i guess the the fat the way the fat (laughs) textures on a chuck roast like if you don't get a chuck roast cooked properly like that is a tough blob of fat that yeah (laughs) yeah you got to be patient with it and um sometimes too that if on like a like a late sunday or a work night sometimes i'll hit that in the pressure cooker for i'll sear it in the pressure cooker mm-hmm. um then i'll add my oh it's already seasoned i usually season the meat sear it then i'll add you know like orange juice lime juice chicken broth water little tomatoes and i'll pressure cook it for like 50 minutes and do like a 20 minute natural vent it's just as good as like as slow roasting it for you know four to six hours yeah oh my god that sounds amazing <laughs> Like I, I, I'll send you the recipe. Okay, definitely. That would be awesome. I'll, I'll cook it. Like I, I, because I do when I do stand up. I will, since I leave the house, what I'll do is I'll get everything going, and then I'll put the crock pot on. And when I come home, because I'll do, I'll do pulled pork sandwiches too. Like I'll do a pork sirloin roast, like a little pork sirloin roast, and I'll put it in there with some sherry cooking wine, onions, water, and barbecue sauce, like a jar of barbecue sauce, and let it just yeah. hook and when it when i come home it's amazing i'll have another thing of barbecue sauce <laughs> like i'll pull the meat spin it in barbecue sauce with the onions from the crock pot and i'll put it in a in a bun and i'm just like this is like sl- adult sloppy joes <laughs> holla yeah that's what we that's what we we're reduced to now just recipes <laughs> recipes and disc golf that's it what else is there so <laughs> Do you how how much do you pregame? Like when you get meat on your plate and you see there's bones in it, do you just like go to town? Because fish is like you fish to me is my biggest paranoia because like I've always I'll watch all these cooking shows and they'll be like, yeah, there's pin bones. Like they'll have tweezers and stuff yeah. going through there. That would that yeah. kind of that cut of fish would terrify me. Like I wouldn't touch it. I would just be like, you know what? If you're having to tweeze it as a professional <laughs> chef, I don't I don't want to try it. Yeah, fresh fish at a restaurant for me is out. That's that's uh, something I may never order again, the rest of my life. I don't know. I don't know how to get past it at this point. Like that was so traumatic. Go, yeah, you know, going to the ER. Then I don't want to go. Through, I don't want to get an ambulance ride to another hospital. Like never. I don't want to be on a gurney conscious again. Like so. I, that's uh, fresh fish is. It's going to be a tough sell for me. Okay. I may. I may do like fish tacos. Um, but at least then I know that it's not a whole fish at all. It's probably, 
it was probably grilled and then chopped into mm-hmm. you know like almost like a not like a strip but you know you get, it's a little better it's a little more processed so I, I have a pretty good feeling that fish tacos in the future not the ones i had in new orleans will be <laughs> will be are more likely to be deboned okay because that was also a breaded that was a uh, that fish taco in new orleans was breaded and fried and then put on a taco which i i, I hate fried fish tacos I, I like the grilled better okay good to know i well <laughs> that is you know and then that's it's it's one of those things too like it does it's one of those fears that like it turns you off for food like because like people you know that had you know that have some kind of you know traumatic experience with food or turned off, you know, most notably is food allergies. People will, you know, like find out they're allergic or something. Well, yeah. But when you have like a traumatic thing with a certain cut of meat, it's hard to look that meat on your plate and to ingest it just because, like you said, when you see a fried fish, it's like you still go back there to that. Like, okay, you start looking yeah. at the bones. and Because <laughs> I love fried catfish. That's one of my favorite things. And I remember getting it whole and you know, getting a mouthful of bones and, you know, <laughs> as a nine-year-old being like, this is not the catfish I remember. I remember fillets. Yeah. And so even with fillets, like sometimes you'll just, you'll get a little pin bone and you have to, you know. Yeah. And it's such, and it's, I don't understand why it makes it so difficult. It feels like you can never get, like you say, you can never get them all. Like it just feels like all the, it's this small of an area. Like it's not a, <laughs> your mouth isn't like this cavernous pit but it's like yeah. the amount of you know attempts it takes to get every bone out of them out of your mouth is like the the longest product like procedure. Like how did how did I miss that one? Yeah, yeah. So the I'm from Pittsburgh too, so we're not eating a ton of fresh fish in Pittsburgh. We're we're five six hour drive from the nearest coast. So you know to even be, I was probably uh, just over forty years old at that time. And that was the first time really in my life. I'm like, what the heck is going on? I've never had a mouthful of fish bones before. Yeah. And I just uh, panicked as an adult. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't handle it well. <laughs> yeah. And it, cause you're just like, you know, it's just, uh, it just, you don't, you don't want to swallow, but your body's like already in the process. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah I, so now I know to take more time. Don't just go, don't go right for the swallow. Really. Yeah. You got to suss them out. <laughs> well, Jeff, I appreciate you doing this. It's been a fantastic conversation. Where can people find you and stuff I didn't know about? Like, <laughs> well, um, you can find me. The next big thing I'm doing it's a trivia and game summit. It's a three day. I have about a dozen other podcasters coming on who do trivia shows or game shows or improv that we can treat as a game show. It's a trivia summit dot live. You can go ahead and uh, tickets are five dollars a night, old punk rock style ticket pricing. You get all three nights for 15 bucks. It's a hundred percent of that ticket sale goes to the people hosting the shows. So if you're going to just know that that money goes to those hosts, that's what I'm a big, I'm really proud of that. I'm trying to build these conferences where we pay the host, where we pay everybody who comes in there, but trivia summit dot live 12 plus there's going to be more. I keep announcing stuff. So there's going to be at least 12 different shows hosts. Uh, four hours a night from seven to ten, and which is three hours, but three hours a night, nine total hours, uh, lots of fun. My show, my trivia show, will be one of them. It's called the Stuff I Never Knew Trivia Game Show Podcast. Uh, there's a hundred plus episodes. 
the new ones coming out are going to be, you'll see a different level of quality. Uh, they're actually being professionally produced and they'll sound a lot better, but uh, I'm really looking forward to where that's going to go. Yeah. And that's amazing. And I think that would be awesome. Like, cause just to, just to, again, be able to mine that information to, to do over a hundred episodes or just to find those, like maybe you may recycle some of them, but to be able to mine that much trivia and especially for it to be obscure knowledge that maybe, you know, is it's got to be such a it's got to be such a fun like you're almost like going down a rabbit hole every single yeah. day. Yeah. And so, uh, speaking of mining, if I could do one more plug, I don't know if I'm allowed sure. to or not. It's, it's still based on the same trivia show. I'm taking old questions from old shows. And I'm plugging them into like a video editor that has some artificial intelligence and I'm spitting out like 10 question um, videos for YouTube. They're like five minutes long. It's called trivia with Jeff. If you just do trivia with Jeff.com, it'll redirect you to the YouTube channel. But if you like my nonsense and you love my voice, cause I do, I'll do a voiceover with them. Uh, you get a, a five minute little trivia uh, video with it's called trivia with Jeff on YouTube. Well, that's fantastic. That. Gosh, that's recycle. Just, yeah, it's it's just so cool, though. I mean, again, to I just admire that to be able to pull the, that many resources and stuff, and and to come out with such a good product of such a you know, it's such a fun podcast to listen to. And it's like some of the answers you know, but at the same time, like you said, when you get put on a spot, how well do you know it? Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Thank you. <laughs> Is there any other social media you'd like to plug or? No, just find uh, Trivia with Jeff. Uh, my production company is called Paduty, P-O-D-U-T-Y. You can list your podcast there for free. You can list your events for free. Um, I'm just trying to build up like a DIY scene. Kind of, kind of. you mentioned you're into comedy. I kind of want to do for podcasting what comedy clubs did for comedy in the 80s and 90s. I want to do that for podcasting. And that's kind of what uh, I was talking about live theater and infinite seat theaters and mm-hmm. uh, this production I'm doing uh, paduty.com. You can find a little bit more about me and my shows and everything there. Um, but uh, you know, any kind of support, just reach out to me, just send me an email or uh, find me on, on the Facebook. I'm facebook.com slash Revilla. I got in early. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks again, Jeff. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. So that was Jeff. That was a fun conversation. I admire his podcast. Check it out at StuffIKnewKnew.com. It's the Stuff I Never Knew About Trivia Game Show podcast, which he is taking to television, which should be a fun event. It'll It's amazing work. He also loves disc golf. Uh, I may try it in the near future. I have some friends here that do disc golf, so maybe I can jump in on a game one day and just see what the fuss is all about. Make sure you also check out his three-day trivia and games event, April 12th through 15th online. It'll be a hop-in link in the show notes. I'll have that info here. They will have all kinds of trivia games as well as improv games and shows from April 12th to the 15th. So check that out. If you're interested in that, it's $15 for three days, and it should be an amazing online event. Also, just follow him at Revilla Ice on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Uh, Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Um, And next week, I'll be 
probably doing comedy at Backdoor Comedy Club or one of the local clubs around town. Thanks again for listening and have a great week. And now some thank yous for the folks that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater for my art and graphics. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhiteh2o. Get it? H2O like water. You can also follow him on Facebook. Music. A huge thank you to Gunnar Olson for the wonderful music provided for this podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns. That's G-U-N-B-U-N-S. As well as his website, GunnarOlson.net. Check out some of the samples that he has recorded. They're amazing. He's an amazing percussionist. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Facebook group, Some of All Fears. Instagram, Twitter, you can find us at Some Fear Fans. If you have some feedback for the show, email me at SomeFearFans, S-O-M-E-F-E-A-R-F-A-N-S, at gmail.com. I'll be happy to, to take those into consideration. Also, if you'd like to be a guest, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. We can try to iron out some details and get that settled in. You know, give us some feedback if on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. It makes the show bigger, and it's not going anywhere. I'm going to record as many shows as I possibly can. If you want to follow me, on social media, I am at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O on all social media platforms. You can follow me there. And you can check me out at ryanperio.com, my website. I'll try to list upcoming shows there as well. It's been kind of spotty because as soon as I set it up, that's when the pandemic happened. And everything's kind of just in a, in a holding pattern. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening. <laughs>